Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Calling Tau City. Turn on your radio. I know we had some words last time, but that was so long ago. I got your message. It was a little harsh, you know. It's still a little hard for me to hear. Please take it slow. Welcome to Starship Sofa, part of the District of Wonders network. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. I'm tuning in to your transmissions. I'm This is the Starship Sova. Everybody, welcome. Hello and welcome to show 644. I am your host, Tony C. Smith. Hello, everyone. I hope everyone is fine and dandy. Back again in the deep space and on the airwaves, pushing out another fantastic show. So glad to be back as well. Yes, it is still strange these times. And actually, we are now like in this kind of whole strange lockdown carry on there but anyway enough of that i'm not even gonna go there i'll tell you what's coming in today's show we have battleborn dreams never die by paul alex gray so that is all coming in today's show i do hope you will stick around and enjoy it now before that second time lucky for Ralph, our assistant editor here at Starship Sofa, Ralph is putting out again, Vital, The Future of Healthcare 2020. This is the anthology he tried last year on Kickstarter. And it unfortunately, it didn't make it that time round in 2019. But he's kind of tweaked it and he's worked it and he's tweaked it again. A little bit of, kind of tweaking there. And rather, it's just pulled together, mind you, some amazing writers on there. But it's live on Kickstarter there now. And it runs out on the 22nd of October. Now, I'll put a link down Come on, get this, this, get this anthology kind of over the kind of the, the finishing line and get it done. I think it's about a thousand pound away or a thousand dollars away at the moment from kind of, you know, getting its goal and getting its funding. So, and like I say, what Ralph's, and Ralph's been working on this for 
<laughs> it feels like years now, Ralph, there, but our visions of the future, whether dark or hopeful, thrilling or mundane, have always challenged us to examine our world. How can we improve? What challenges will we face? Are we even ready? Vital, the future of healthcare aims to explore these questions as they relate to humanity's physical and mental well-being. And especially at this time of the... You know what I mean? This, this un, unholy hell that we're going through at the moment. To have, like, glimpses of what our healthcare system, what health, you know, all this kind of technology can do for in in the future. I just think that's... You know what I mean? That's a great little niche, what Ralph's got there. And we just need to get this over the line and kind of get it fixed. So again, there's a link there. Please go over and support it. You know what I mean? Like I say, he has put together some amazing writers. There. Got Mr. Brin's on there, for God's sake, man. David Brin's on there. We've got Sheehan Maguire's on there. James Patrick Kelly. We've got, who else? We've got Paolo Badgerglubi's in there as well. So... The stories are there, do you know what I mean? Just come on, help help Ralph and we'll get this, limp this over the line and we'll get this on, we'll get this funded because there'll be some great, do you know what I mean, that kind of what-if stories and how's this happening kind of things. Oh, please, 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 please. Link in the description. So, we're here for our story by Paul Alex Gray. Battleborn dreams never die. This story previously appeared in Broadswords and Blasters, which was July 2019. Paul Alex Gray writes linear and interactive fiction starring sentient black holes, wayward sea monsters, curious AIs and more. His work has been published in Nature's Future, Andromeda Spaceways, Podcastle and others. Paul grew up on the beaches of Australia, then travelled the world and now lives in Canada with his family. On his adventures, Paul has been a startup founder, a game designer, a mentor to technology entrepreneurs. Chat with him on Twitter and visit him on his website as well. And there the, are the links. This story is narrated by Anthony Babington. Anthony Babington is an aspiring voice actor who looks just slightly off from how he sounds. From a secret volcano lair in Minnesota, he narrates podcasts and leases his soul to corporate America. He has previously recorded for Farfetch Fables, Tales to Telefy and The Cursed Inn. And you can find him at Twitter, Alpha Baker. So, the Starship Sova is very proud to present... A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Born Dreams Never Die by Paul Alex Gray Eddie's last rocket cuts a bright slash through the desert sky and slams into the monster's neck, exploding in a red and green bloom of fire and gore. Yeehaw! he yells, pushing his A-7 Sentinel forward, driving the giant humanoid machine onto the beast, even as power alarms blare inside his cockpit. The monster shrieks in rage and agony, barbed arms failing to quell the rivers of blood erupting from the wounds crisscrossing its hide. Unleashing a white-hot rant of profanity, Eddie hammers an epic punch into its jaw. Entirely unnecessary, but he hates the damn things. That's for... he thinks, running through places and people and products in his mind. He glances up at the gas station ahead of him. That's for slushies, man, especially the pina colada one, he says, driving the metal fist into a compound eye. That flavor was the best. The monster crashes to the ground sending up a spray of dust and blood. It rocks and writhes, a sickening groan unraveling into a quivering growl, and then it is still, blood pooling by the sentinel's feet. Great work, love, comes a soft voice through Eddie's comlink. Thanks, Kaya, he says with a smile, looking at the ring of light on the control panels that shimmers to show she's listening. This ugly brute reminds me of the Category 4 we killed outside of Flagstaff a couple of years ago, remember? Seven hundred and eighty-three days ago,' answers Kaya. Eddie laughs. "'You sure? I reckon it was seven hundred and eighty-four. My records are correct.' "'Not a lot of sense arguing with your wife. Especially when it's not really your wife. Just her voice and some of her memory is appended to the intelligent assistant of your sentinel.' "'Sarge, we—' comes the voice of Corporal Marina Correa from her own sentinel, a gigantic EX-45. "'Get us reloaded, Corporal.' Eddie interrupts as he pops his cockpit canopy. I'm heading in to check for memory cards. He reaches for the grapple bars and shimmies his way down. He pictures Marina at the head of the EX-45, wearing that concerned look that everyone has when they talk about Eddie and his sentinel. He's been riding with Marina and her co-pilot, Private Khaled Ghali, for about a year now, the brass at base telling him it's important to pass on his experience to a new generation of soldiers. They're good kids. Marina especially. She's leadership material for sure. Khaled's got a bit of an attitude, but it seems almost all young soldiers do these days. Stay here, sweetheart, he says, patting the flanged metal foot of his A-7. He steps through the congealing blood, taking a path around the massive corpse of the dead beast. Steam rises from its body, refracting the bright glare cast from the EX-45 spotlights. It's an incredible sight. Seventy-five feet high and armed to the teeth with rockets, a terrible bolt gun that fires ninety-millimeter shells, and titanium fists that can crack a monster's skull. Its energy cores are distributed throughout its body, casting a red glow in and around the metal struts, making it look like a demonic robot skeleton. The things cost a fortune, but they're the best weapon against monsters. It dwarfs Eddie's sentinel. An incredible feat of ingenuity, 
The A-7s are well past their prime. Churned out in their thousands, the first battle-ready machines were cheap and sturdy, with easily swappable parts. Squat but heavily armored, they have a reputation for stubborn resilience. The pulse laser certainly helped. Wedged under the cockpit in the center of the Sentinel, the weapon draws on the entire power of the machine to unleash a devastating blast of pure energy. It's unstable as hell. One in ten firings completely brick the machines. But it's enough to wipe out all but the toughest monster. Unfortunately, even if it works, it leaves the Sentinel powered down for a minute or two until the systems reboot. Even though the engineering team that designed the A-7s were wiped out in a monster assault, they'd left enough information behind for a new generation of techs and scientists to build bigger and better Sentinels to stop the monsters from wiping out humanity. Maybe it's time for Eddie to upgrade. Of course, doing so would be saying goodbye. Years of battle have damaged his machine, causing software glitches and hardware breaks. The techs back at base have tried just about everything, but there's no way to transfer the memory files from the A-7 to an EX-45. Not unless he finds some ancient memory cards to try to jury-rig into the interface. Even though he knows he's stupid for thinking it, Eddie has come to believe that a part of Kaya is infused within the very cogs and pistons of this machine. So his quest brings him out here tonight, on this patrol on the off chance he can score those cards, leaving the safety of his A-7, navigating the crumbling asphalt of what was once a parking lot. The gas station sign swings in the night sky, the numbers showing a price that's a fraction of the cost of fuel these days. Half the windows are cracked or missing, but he peers in to make sure there's no bandits or other nasty surprises hidden inside. Eddie kicks open the door on the first attempt, and although it's weakened from blast damage and falls away in a shower of splinters, it still hurts his 63-year-old knee enough that he curses aloud. Language, Eduardo. Kaya says via the comlink. Sorry, love, he growls as he shines a torch into the dusty space. He knows it's a long shot, but then again, everything is. Kaya's core batteries were 4% the last time he checked. It's not surprising for an ancient A7. Hit zero, and she'd need a full reset, but that would wipe her memory. Sarge, gear drops inbound three minutes, says Marina. Any monsters on scan? All clear for now, she answers. The beast they'd just killed is a Category 3, big enough to cause trouble. A sort of insect-crocodile hybrid, countless glittering compound eyes lining a tapered snout with jagged teeth, each over two feet long. They'd caught it in Bakersfield, a little village in what used to be Nevada, back when the United States still existed. They'd been on the last of a seven-night sortie, patrolling miles of desert and scrubland on the borders of the interior safe zone. Eddie checks the cupboards under the cash register. Most of the good stuff's been looted years ago, but he's surprised to find a locked drawer. Could this be his lucky break? Maybe this'll hold some memory cards he could try for Kaya. He rips a metal shelf rail from the wall behind him and wedges it in the drawer, pushing down and snapping the feeble lock. He opens it up, but there's no useful gear in there. Just a pile of papers and a couple of photos of some perfect nuclear family. Cheesy-ass grin on a run-of-the-mill-looking guy, blonde wife holding up okay and two spoiled-looking kids. Eduardo, says Kaya, and he knows from the tone of her voice that something isn't right. Monster detected ten miles south. 
He wipes some dust off the photo. They look happy, all wearing big smiles. A spotlight on a time and place so far gone it seems like another world. Probably dead now. Eduardo returned to Sentinel. All right, love, he says, and he marches out the door. Kaya, his wife, that is, died three years ago, killed when a Category 5 slammed a barb-tipped tail through the cockpit of their A-7. No amount of time or booze or vengeance has dulled the anguish of that moment. The sight of a bony, sharded point buried in his wife's chest, her eyes wide with shock. She'd opened her mouth, but no words came, just a spew of blood before she went into cardiac arrest. Reload complete, says Khaled over the comlink. A loud clanging noise echoes from the back of the EX-45, and the sound of engines whirs above, cast from a departing drone that reloaded the rockets and ammo for the sentinels. Ammo refilled, says Kaya. The voice is unnerving, even years later. It sounds just like her, and that's testament to the boffins that put together the AI that powered these A-7s. Before the technology advanced enough to simply read the thoughts of pilots. Eddie clambers up to the cockpit, strapping in, preparing the machine to go. He glances at the empty co-pilot chair beside him. He spent half his adult years in the machine, most of it with Kaya. This cramped, uncomfortable metal space was practically their home. God, I miss you. A red light flashes. Enemies inbound, says Kaya. All right, all right, business as usual, he grumbles, shutting the canopy. Kaya begins her status update as Eddie pushes the machine into a slow trot, Marina and Khaled following alongside. Rocket launchers 8 of 8, grenades 10 of 10, ammo 100%, pulse laser primed. Eddie can't help but glance at the controls when she mentions that last point. The system's primed, that's for sure, but he knows it's tied directly to her core memory, which is running on empty. A quick glance shows him a number he's been worrying about. Three percent. Where are we headed, Marina? Khaled answers instead. West-southwest. Another dust bomb. Little town called Paradise, White Pine County. Sounds incredible. Eddie bristles. Khaled's a city boy, with no appreciation for small towns. New York born and raised, till fifteen at least, when a swarm of Category 4s flattened the five boroughs and sent waves of refugees heading west and north. What's the story? Command reports increased monster activity in the area. They're worried there's a build-up preparing for an assault on the safe zone. They want us to check it out before we go back. The Interior Defense Force have been making good progress lately. Attacks were down this past year, and lines of communication have opened with other surviving outposts. There's a cautious optimism, and preparations are underway for a coordinated assault. There's even cautious whispers that the war might come to an end, and everyone could get on living their lives. That was Eddie and Kaya's hope, too. When she died, Command offered him an honorable discharge, but he knew she wouldn't have wanted to give up the fight. Besides, this way he gets to live with her, a part of her at least, in the A-7. Eddie sucks his teeth. Paradise might be the right place to find some memory cards for Kaya. It's not too large a town to have been looted dry, nor too small to have nothing of value. There were a few auto-wreckers there back in the day. 
couple of factories, too. Let's roll. The moon hangs low in the sky, a red-tinged ball. Silver moons are rare now. Too much pollution in the air. Remnants of fallout from the futile nuclear strikes used in the early days. Every now and then they pass by signs of monsters. Footprints in soft sand, deep channels in the earth carved by massive claws. Shed scales and barbs strewn about. Eddie tries to ignore these. He thinks of what the desert was like before all this began. Remember when we used to come here, love? No, tell me. He sighs, but if he tells her now, she'll remember for next time. I'll tell you about a night. It was summer. 1986, maybe? 87 could be. Anyway, we were madly in love, teen hormones running wild. You'd wear these acid-washed jeans, high-waisted and extra tight. Your earrings were almost as big as your hair, all puffy and flowy. I, I ain't describing it so well, but you were beautiful. A chime alerts Eddie, and he scans the proximity sensors. A flash of movement flickers out to the west, and he squints, pulling up a rusty pair of binoculars to stare over. He stares a while, but whatever it was is gone. He makes sure to check periodically. Did I look like this? He glances at the screen. There's an image there of Kaya. Not quite Kaya. It's her, yes, but the hair isn't right, and she's wearing the wrong sort of jeans. Yeah, kinda. That's close, love, he answers. What did we do? We'd drive in my dad's car, head out on Highway 5, not far from here. Go to the mountains, those ones over there, in fact. At a special spot, no one was ever there but us. We'd lay a blanket out on the hood of the car, backs against the windshield, looking up at the stars. Wondering if any aliens were up there somewhere, looking at us. I guess, maybe they were. She doesn't answer, and Eddie wonders what's going on in her computational brain. He knows she doesn't feel anything, not really, although the assistants are programmed to build empathetic connections with pilots. Sarge, your sentinel's limping. Marina's voice is a shock, and Eddie realizes she's left the comms open the whole time. He checks the system and sees that she's right. There's a problem with the left hip gear, and now that he notices it, he can hear a faint grinding sound with every step. We'll have to get her checked up when we're back at base, he answers. It's risky for you to be out in her, says Marina. You're almost out of core power, and that hip gear is going to need to be replaced. Maybe we should return to base. She's fought with worse, growls Eddie. Besides, we're on a mission. Ain't no point in arguing about her now. She's all I got. There's no way I'm going back without some memory cards. Why'd you upgrade, Sarge? Says Khaled loudly. Get any X-45. Why don't you shut your mouth and keep a lookout, Private? They quiet down after that, and Eddie cuts the comms. He mutters to himself, annoyed at Khaled's directness. Who does he think he is, telling me to upgrade? What bugs him most is that he knows the kid's probably right. Out to the left he sees the shadows of the sentinels, his moving with a jerky limp, the EX-45 a graceful ghost following close behind, its huge bolt gun held in its arms. The shadows ripple and Eddie bolts upright in his chair, opening comms. 
Riverbed up ahead, low but wide. Copy that, Sarge. Eddie approaches slowly. It's one of those floodplain rivers, bone dry most of the time, but every couple of years would see it transform into a raging torrent of water. He eases his machine gently, embarrassed that he must walk crab-like sideways down the embankment. The EX-45 easily steps over the side. Easy now, love. There's a shift in the ground below and a sudden hissing, and Eddie curses as the embankment collapses, his sentinel sliding forward in a wall of sand, the arms swinging out automatically. Stability warning, barks Kaya. Eddie grabs at the controls, pulling hard. He's an expert pilot, but there are limits to any skill, and he curses as he feels the sentinel tipping over. Impact. Sentinel's cockpit swivels and its arms reach out to protect itself, crashing into the parched bed of the river as alarms go off. The hissing continues, and he watches as a wall of sand pours over the sentinel. Damn it! Sarge, you good? asks Marina over the comms. Yeah, I'm good. He's hanging forward in his seatbelt, already checking the controls. No additional damage, but he's half buried in sand. He thinks a moment, then toggles the commands to shimmy the sentinel's legs. If he can get one out, he can probably stand up. We're coming, hold up, says Khaled. Just leave me. We gotta hustle, Sarge, the monsters are inbound. Damn it. All right, hurry it up. The EX-45 shoulders its bolt gun, massive hands shifting the sand away. Eddie can see the pilots up close through their canopy, visible in their protective harnesses, heads ensconced in helmets that mesh their minds to the machines. Eddie sighs. How you doing, love? You okay? I'm doing okay, love, answers Kaya. He smiles, but chides himself for his behavior. His eyes are watery, probably from the sand and dust. He looks up the riverbank at the moon, which is just about set behind the mountains. A flash of movement draws his eye. Monsters. Enemies inbound, upriver, less than a mile. Bounding toward them are a pair of beasts. No, three. Two dog-faced ones, and another much larger, with a head like an octopus, and way too many legs. The smaller ones are Category 2s, for sure, but that big one, it looks like a five. One sec, yells Khaled. Not one sec, abort, evasive action, roars Eddie. But they ignore the order, and the metal hands of their sentinel haul him out of the sand and place him dead center in the riverbed. It's not a good spot but he's not going to make it out, so they're going to have to fight. Kaya, prime weapons. Got it, she says. Eddie moves to the edge of the riverbed, the hip gear grinding as the machine limps awkwardly. Hold it together, love. Marina, get some rocket fire in him. Eddie spots a pile of debris up ahead, a few dead trees swept from the mountains, a rusted car, and other accumulated trash. He lobs a grenade high, getting a direct hit in the bone-dried debris, which erupts in flame. The monsters react, slowing at the sight of the fire. They're gigantic and deadly, but they're by no means smart, and can be easily distracted by fire and bright lights. A wave of heat hits Eddie a split second before a boom of rocket launches erupts from the EX-45. He swivels to see the monsters twist and duck, moving lightning fast in reaction. Not fast enough. The rockets smash into one of the dog-faced monsters and rip it to pieces. 
Eddie whoops, but puts Kyle into a defensive pose, one leg forward, the other angled beneath, wedged against the sand, arms and cannons aimed, willing to give it everything he's got. We can do this, love. Just like the old days. Eddie counts in his mind as split seconds rush away. Then he fires. A hail of bullets rain from his gun, and his grenades soar into the approaching Category 2, pocking its flesh and exploding within. A thunderous roar shatters the night as the EX-45's bolt gun rips several tentacles from the head of the Category 5. Then they're upon them. Eddie ducks and swings both fists up as the dog-faced monster smashes into him, the force of the impact almost knocking him from his straps. His sentinel's blows smash the wind out of his opponent, which tumbles over, sliding along the dusty riverbed and colliding with the embankment. It causes a mini landslide of dust that spills over the writhing beast as it rights itself. The sentinel wobbles suddenly, and a new alarm sounds. Left arm, piston jam. Great, just what I need. The monster rights itself and glares at Eddie with black, reflective eyes, its snout opening, revealing row after row of razor-sharp yellow teeth. A lumpy tongue, forked at the end, flickers in and out as a staccato howl shakes the night. Eddie swallows his fear, packing it as deep inside as he can. Fear leads to mistakes, and mistakes lead to dying. Come on! he roars, firing a burst of bullets. It isn't a huge one, maybe thirty feet long, wiry and lean. Hard to tell how many legs it has, given they're lumpy and multi-jointed. Some split in two halfway along the limb, ending in sharp talons that grasp the ground, while others were more solid-looking and end in something halfway between a dog's foot and a horse hoof. Faint, says Kaya. The monster tenses, ready to pounce, but Eddie trusts Kaya and forces the sentinel into a left feint before ducking right. Even though the machine creaks and rattles, the ploy works, and the monster leaps wide. Eddie turns and unleashes all the remaining ammo. At such close range, the heavy bullets rip carnage, streams of blood cascading over his sentinel. Nice one, Eddie shouts. Up the riverbed, the EX-45 is struggling with the Category 5. It's a true nightmare, maybe the biggest he's seen. The sentinel's struggling as two rippling, muscle-bound arms hold its titanium body against the embankment. The octopus tendrils smash the cockpit, acidic ooze starting to dissolve the metal armor. Keep it together, Marina, he whispers, before turning his attention to his own battle. The Category 2 is on its feet again, although it looks worse for wear. We got it, love. Another one bites the dust. Don't get cocky. It's not dead yet, comes her voice. She was never this rational in real life. She'd have felt the thrill of the fight, despite the danger. But Eddie realizes the Sentinel was right. He's got to play it careful take advantage of every moment to win this battle, without her power draining to zero. He aims his one good fist, readying to fire his last few grenades into the beast's ugly face. Like a lot of these moments, it seems to happen in slow motion. Eddie squats and fires at the same time as the monster leaps, lashing out with its talon-lined limbs. He realizes he's going to get hit, so the instant the grenades launch he starts to pivot the machine. The monster explodes just as its talons smash into the sentinel, raking their way across the metal torso and legs, smashing it into the ground. Eddie's head is slammed into the cockpit seat and he roars, seeing stars. Then he's falling, the sentinel tumbling awkwardly, metal rending and hydraulic fluid tubes bursting within their protective spaces. 
Bart, don't... Kaya's voice is muffled, broken. You have to... He struggles to open his eyes, blinking as a foul stench assaults his senses. Every part of him burns with pain. The canopy is cracked, and the foul, forked tongue lays upon it, oozing saliva into the space around him. A dog-faced head, split open to the soggy brains, blocks his view. Eddie's ears ring and he grimaces, reaching to the back of his skull. His arms shake like jelly and his hands are wet with blood, but he can move his fingers and his toes, so he knows he's not broken. As he grasps for the controls, he knows the same can't be said for his sentinel. Marina! He growls, swallowing back the taste of hot bile. Kaya, we've got to help them. Get up! He says as he shifts the machine's arms, causing the monster's head to slide off and smack into the dirt. Critical failures! Her voice is choppy, broken as either the system or the speakers struggle to communicate. Orbital breakages and subsystem damage. I need you, he answers. A bleep of noise comes in response, and then a scream. Sarge! Khaled's voice is raw with desperation. Help! As the sentinel turns to face the battle behind them, Eddie cries out loud. No! Marina and Eddie's EX-45 pushes against the Category 5, which has them pinned to the ground, one arm of the giant machine struggling to hold the swiping tentacles off, the other snapped and broken, showering sparks. The legs are bent back, forced by the weight of the monster. Eddie curses. His A-7 is busted up. He's out of ammo, and there's just one grenade left. That ain't gonna do shit. Eddie looks at the heavy rifle slotted at the rear of the canopy. If he could get out and take a shot with that, shoot the monster in one of its eight eyes, maybe he might... No, there's no chance. It's a pea shooter compared to an enemy this size. Pulse laser, pray, 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 says Kaya. Eddie grits his teeth but doesn't answer. Sarge! cries Khaled as their sentinel fires a blast from the bolt gun but the Category 5 twists out of the way. Eduardo, use the kit cannon, says Kaya. No, he wails. The only way. Eddie growls and swivels, aiming the A7's chest towards the monster's head. Its octopus tentacles whip open, revealing a terrible jaw ready to crunch the EX-45 cockpit. He knows that Kaya is waiting for his command. An order that might brick his sentinel. An order that will doom Kaya. An order that's the only chance to save Marina and Khaled. Fire, he says. The cockpit goes quiet for an instant as the pulse laser draws power. Then a huge beam of searing energy erupts, smashing into and through the head of the Category 5. Pulverized bone and brains and bits of flesh vaporize in a hiss of flame. The EX-45 pulls away as the body falls to the ground, its taloned limbs lashing out weakly. Even in death, the monster only knows how to fight. Eddie's A-7 slumps forward, the whir of engines and systems slowing as smoke billows from the darkened pulse laser. 
Sarge, we're coming, says Marina. Eddie taps the blank screens beside him. Come on, come on, wake up, love. He feels the thudding vibrations as the EX-45 approaches. Sarge, we've got inbound. Looks like... Looks like a lot, says Khaled quietly. There's a buzz of a machine, some subsystem drive booting up, then another, then a ragged digital scream as the sentinel wakes. Warning lights glow around him and he can smell a chemical tinge as smoke fills the cockpit. Eduardo, says Kaya. He's unstrapping himself, reaching for the panels in front of him, thinking he could rip out drives and discs or whatever he can. You have to leave, she says. I gotta take your core memory, wails Eddie. Insufficient time. And besides, y- No, that won't work. He smashes his fists on the controls again and again, screaming in rage and agony, pushing against waves of pain. I can't lose you again! Sarge, we need to hustle! says Marina. You have to come now! Eddie gasps and looks across the cockpit to the empty chair beside him. He can picture her there, guiding their machine together. Time to go, love, says Kaya. I can't, he says, but he's already popping the canopy window, feeling the heat of the desert night. This isn't me, she says. You know I'm not voice synthesized from computational I'm something else somewhere else Eddie blinks back tears clutching the grapple holds tight the sky is dark now the moon long gone what seems like a hundred million stars shimmer above to the north along the riverbed he sees a dust cloud spanning the horizon he looks away wanting to see something that isn't war or death or an ending. He stares at the stars, casts his mind far, wishing he was back at the cliffs, snuggled up with her again on the hood of the car. Can you see the stars, love? Yes, Ed... Yes, Ed... Yes, Eduardo. You think there's something else out there? With absolute certainty... Eddie relishes the moment, even as it slips by. Block the grenade launcher, says Kaya. Why? he asks as he signals for Marina to lower the EX-45. I'll create a diversion. Buy some time. He nods, examining the soot-lined muzzle. A metal grill lines the outside, so he wedges his rifle in, pushing the butt down until it blocks the space. Goodbye, love, says Kaya. Eddie wants to say something, but all that comes out is a choking groan as he reaches out to grab the outstretched arm of the EX-45. Let's go, he says into his comlink. Copy that, Sarge, says Khaled and the EX-45 straightens up, lifting its hand to its head so that Eddie can grab onto the canopy. 
The machine leaps up the embankment. It transitions to an unsteady jog, heading to the interior safe zone. Behind them, a horde of monsters spill forth from the dust clouds. Goodbye, love, Eddie whispers. A rose of red light erupts in the riverbed as the grenade destroys what's left of the A-7. The monsters react, swiveling and dashing toward the flames, the distance between them and Eddie growing as the EX-45 bounds away. He watches the fire, burning as bright and as brilliant as anything he's ever seen. Ho ho, there we go. Paul Asgray, thank you so much. Battleborn dreams never die. What a story, man. And Anthony, thank you so much indeed. Anthony Bavin in there. Take the stage, sir. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Goodbye. Good night, says. What a story. So that is today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Again, don't forget about Ralph Ambrose and his vital, the anthology, the future of the healthcare system. What a... Honestly, that's just... to. To kind of try and find out what you think those stories might be is worth uh, coughing up the money anyway. Do you know what I mean? What kind of stories would come out of that kind of scenario is something that I kind of think you should back anyways. There you go. Until next week, I'd just like to say a good night from me. Thank you for listening.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 